Channel open. Welcome back to Weekly Trek, a proud member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. I am your host, Alex Perry. What's today's date? The date. Today's show was recorded on January 25th, 2019, and is current through the Star Trek Discovery Season 2 episode, New Eden. So beware of spoilers. All right, let's get into the show. Good day, Voyager, and welcome to A Briefing with Neelix. It's a catchy title, isn't it? Weekly Trek is a 30-minute news show covering the biggest stories from the Star Trek franchise. We are in a golden age of Star Trek, not seen since the late 1990s. There are four television shows in active production, rumors of more on the way, and enough merchandise to fill the Bajoran wormhole. So stick with me, and I will help you sort out the real facts from a lot of the Dominion propaganda, and we will have some Dominion propaganda to talk about this week. But I can't do this alone, and my guest this week is the co-host of the Delta Flyer podcast, Thad Hay. Thad, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. I'm so happy to have you on. I'm a uh, big fan. You guys are making your way through Voyager. You're closing in on the end of season two now, right? Yes. We just recorded our episode on resolutions yesterday, actually. Ah, I look forward to hearing about that. The uh, monkey. <laughs> yes. All right, Thad. I want to know something that's got you excited about Star Trek at the moment. So tell me one thing that you're particularly enjoying. Could be anything, episode, news item, book, comic, merchandise. What's got you moving at Warp 10? Well, I watched the new Discovery episode, New Eden, last night, and it was amazing. That if, yes, if we're doing a warp scale of my excitement, I am fully salamander at this point. (laughs) uh, Because it was just so very much what we expect of a Star Trek episode and more so than Discovery has done yet. And I think probably a lot of that has to do with Jonathan Frakes directing. Mm-hmm. I, I love this episode. It was the most traditional episode of Star Trek I think we've gotten since Star Trek Enterprise went off the air. But at the same time, it didn't feel like it was tired or a rehash of things that we'd seen before. Um, it was just a really fabulous 45 minutes Anson Mount was great as Pike again. The whole thing just blew me away. Yeah, exactly the same for me. I guess for me, slightly similar, because you mentioned Jonathan Frakes. Um, I also love New Eden. But today, the Star Trek Discovery social media channels tweeted a video that they put together about Jonathan Frakes' direction. And it was just this really sweet love letter to him as this sort of journeyman actor turned director who had these really deep roots into the franchise. They had little clips of all of the actors um, on Discovery talking, you know, really highly about Frakes um, and his direction and, and the experience they've had. And based on, you know, Despite Yourself, which was the first season episode that he directed and was also great, this episode was amazing. Uh, so excited that we have one more Jonathan Frakes episode uh, on the way this season and lots to look forward to. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I would definitely say that we may have one more this season, but that's hardly the last we'll see of Jonathan Frakes on the franchise. It certainly is not. And that ties into one of our news items this week. So let's dive into the week's top stories. There's a war going on and I'm a reporter. First of all, I have a red alert. Brother, the season one premiere of Star Trek Discovery is now available for free on CBS's YouTube channel. I guess CBS thinks so highly of the premiere 
um, and is looking to engage new viewers. And I think it was a great episode and they're absolutely right to make it available to a wider audience. Is now available for free. So if season one of Star Trek Discovery wasn't quite to your tastes, and I can understand for many people why there are elements of the first season that didn't resonate with them, I would highly, highly recommend you dip in and try the season two premiere of Discovery. It is a great episode. I think they are taking the show in a slightly different direction. Um, and I think for a lot of people who had problems with some of the themes of season one, I think you'll find a lot to like in season two, and hopefully it'll bring you back on board to the show itself. So wait another 23 minutes until this podcast is over, and then get yourself over to YouTube and load up Brother and give it a watch, because I don't think you will regret it. Right, Dad? I would definitely agree with that. Uh, I did like season one, uh, but until this until I watched New Eden, Brother was my favorite episode of Star Trek Discovery. So yeah, I think it. I think in season two they've just really upped the game. Absolutely, yeah. And I love Discovery season one too. But I, there, I know that there are people out there who didn't, and I understand, you know, some of the reasons why they didn't. I don't agree with them, but I think season two has sort of figured out where it can kind of dive into exploring uncomfortable areas while also you know, Discovery season one was sort of pushing in every direction all at once. And I feel like this season is being more targeted, but it seems like Discovery season two is a hit for CBS All Access. As you may know, streaming services don't tend to release viewership figures, unlike network television, which you know you get the ratings the next day. The streaming service viewing figures are confidential, but CBS decided that they had uh, such a, a banner week with the release of Star Trek Discovery Season 2 that they put out a press release saying that the premiere in conjunction with the AFC Championship, but we'll forget the football, this is a focus on the Star Trek, <laughs> led to uh, CBS All Access's biggest week uh, for signups in the service's history and some of the biggest viewership figures they've had. They had, didn't, obviously didn't give us what those numbers were, but indicated that you know they had sort of hit a new height for the streaming service. So uh, this is all very good and uh, signals some confidence of the streaming service heading into season two. Thad, do you think this was uh, this was well deserved? Yeah, and impressive because a lot of times it's usually the very premiere of a show is what's going to get the biggest viewership, and then the second the second season will oftentimes not be quite as good. That's certainly been how Star Trek has worked. So this is very encouraging to see that. And when they they talk about the AFC Championship, wasn't that also aired on regular TV? So yes, it was. I imagine there might have been some people signing up for that, but I can't imagine the majority were. No, that's very true. Yeah, I mean, why would you watch it on CBS All Access when you can just turn on literally any television right. and tune it over to CBS and you'll get it. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm happy to attribute it a hundred percent to Star Trek. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's perfectly fine by me. There's at least one person watching football. Yeah, right. At least one. <laughs> but we don't care about them. True. We also have some news about the titles of the next few episodes uh, of Star Trek Discovery. This comes from the Trek Collective at 8 of 5, sleuthed out from a number of TV listing services uh, looking out into the future what the titles were for uh, the next four four episodes of Star Trek Discovery Season 2, uh, beginning with Episode 3 next week, Point of Light, Episode 4 on February 7th, An Obel for Sharon, Episode 5 on February the 14th, Valentine's Day, Saints of Imperfection, Episode 6 on February 21, The Sounds of Thunder. 
Last season, they had done uh, little videos every few weeks kind of revealing the next few rounds of titles, but it seems like they haven't done that this season. So it's good that somebody has managed to sleuth out ahead and we can kind of pick out maybe a couple of theories about what's uh, what those episode titles mean. Thad, does anything hit you from these episode titles about what you think they might be about? Okay, well, uh, an oval for Sharon at first made me think it was going to be about Giorgio because remember her ship was the Sharon? Oh, yes. Season one, but probably not. It's probably more talking about the mythological uh, because Sharon was the boat or the gatekeeper. Or was he the guy on the boat? I can't remember. But anyway, he was involved with letting people into the underworld in Greek mythology. So it could mean a lot. But since Wilson Cruz is a named cast member this season and we didn't see him at all this episode, my guess is we'll probably be seeing him in that one. I think you might be right. And next week, I felt much prouder about this uh, before they showed the preview last night that had the Klingons in it. (laughs) Yes. But in the season six episode, Rightful Air, they talk about Kales having, just before he left, said, look for me there on that point of light about his eventual return. So I think we will have a significant Klingon story in the next episode based upon that. And also based upon the fact that if you watched the preview for the next episode, it does show you that we will return to the Klingon homeworld and catch up with a high Chancellor Lorel and uh, some hairy Klingons, which I'm super excited about. Yes. So the next story for us to discuss is we have a new interview uh, with Jonathan Frakes following the premiere of New Eden last night, in which he talks a little bit about the episode, um, his approach to directing, his thoughts about the season as a whole. I highly recommend finding it. It's on thehollywoodreporter.com and giving it a read. Last week, they had an interview with Alex Kurtzman up right after the episode. So it seems like they are now having this weekly series following the episode with, it's been the director the last two weeks, discussing the episode itself. And there were a couple of interesting tidbits that uh, I'd like to kind of talk about. And then that, if there was anything that hit you particularly, love to hear about that as well. The first thing I'd want to pull out is along the lines of what we were talking about around this episode feeling much more traditionally Star Trek and having a much more traditional Star Trek feel to it. The Hollywood Reporter asked Frakes about that and said, you know, this did seem like it was a bit more like, you know, traditional Star Trek, to which Frakes said, That's how it felt. I was afraid after the bombast and excitement of the premiere, it would be dull. The acting is so fabulous and the story is so great, but it's a horse of a different color. But I think it still feels like classic Star Trek with some of the newer Discovery themes. And I think that's absolutely the right way of putting it. It very much felt to me like it was an episode that sort of had a unique kind of Discovery spin on an old classic rather than I think a lot of the Discovery season one episodes, perhaps with the exception of Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, because mm-hmm. we'd done time loop episodes before, sort of was, did kind of give us more of that traditional sort of pastiche, but with an updated feel and flavor. Do you think that's right? Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, that's basically how I felt about the episode. I, As we already said, I really liked it. And yeah, I, I think it was what I've been hoping for with modern Star Trek. Star Trek updated to be modern, but still like the old. And that's kind of how I felt. And you can't beat that shot of the Discovery uh, pulling the asteroid behind it with the tractor <laughs> beam as it pulls the radioactive fragments of the rings out into space. I thought that was just so, so cool. Doing a donut, yeah. Yeah, doing a donut, that's right. The Detmer maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> the other, but perhaps the most tantalizing detail in this Frakes interview uh, was he was asked about the Picard show. And I'm going to preface this by saying that 
he makes a comment that you could read into significantly, and I'm going to tell you about it, but try not to read too deeply into it. But he was asked if he had any role in the Picard show. And Jonathan Frake's very terse reply was, I am not allowed to say what role I have in the new series. For those of you wanting uh, William T. Riker back on your TV screens, uh, I don't think this is confirmation of that. I certainly think that Jonathan Frakes will be invited to direct an episode. He's now got three Discovery episodes under his belt, including the episode that we have not yet seen. It's clearly beloved by the uh, the showrunners and the franchise showrunner, uh, Alex Kurtzman. Um, so I think it's 100% a lock-on that he's going to be directing one of the episodes of the Picard series. But I'm hoping this means a return for William Riker, but I guess we'll see. Thad, what do you think about this? I would agree. I think... Yeah, he's almost guaranteed to be directing this. Also, any other, certainly any other live action Trek show, I think he will be directing at least one episode. Uh, so I'm sure he'll be directing the Section 31 show and any others that maybe in the in the works here. And yes, he's technically not saying that he has any role. But I also feel as though if they had said, Jonathan, you're not going to be involved at all. He would be able to tell us that. I think you're right about that. Yeah, because we've seen the other actors when they've been asked at conventions, oh, are you going to be in the Picard show? You know, I think Marina Sirtis has said at least once. Gates McFadden has maybe said at least once. You know, we've not heard anything about it. We don't know what's going on. So, you know, they clearly can say that if that's the position they're in. But it seems like Jonathan maybe not quite in the same position as his other castmate. Yeah, and I think it is incredibly likely that he will actually appear as Riker in the show. Probably not as a main cast member, but I think we'll at least get an appearance of the beard, the myth, the legend. I want, <laughs> I want uh, salty, uh, salt and pepper beard Admiral Riker from All Good Things. <laughs> yes, with the three nacelled Enterprise. Yes, the three nacelled Enterprise. That's what I want. Was there anything else about the Frakes interview that struck you? Well, it was, I thought it was interesting. They asked, they asked him how he felt about the religious usage in the episode, and he talked about how that's... Because uh, Gene Roddenberry was pretty strongly anti-religion. Uh, and they, they talked about how it's not really necessarily... This episode is necessarily saying, like embracing religion per se, just the conversation between science and faith. And I thought that was a very good point. That's basically what the episode was about, science and faith. Yeah, and uh, Pike made this really great point when he was talking about this updated version of Arthur C. Clarke's third law about how sufficiently superior technology is indistinguishable from magic. And I think one of these, one of the key questions that seems like it's going to play out over the course of the season is these red angels, to what extent are they godlike beings? And to what extent are they just extremely advanced aliens um, who have some kind of agenda? I mean, clearly the residents of New Eden thought they were angels and religious figures, but I think the Starfleet crew sort of be going in a in a slightly different direction, as we would expect, you know, from our from our heroes. So crazy theory that's almost certainly not true. Angels are the sphere builders. Angels are the sphere builders. So I had mine was uh, angels are the preservers. Yours is probably more likely. <laughs> we did see a preserver obelisk in context as for kings. It probably we was did. Yes, this, but you never know. Also, I almost said Riker. Um, Frakes said. <laughs> uh, Frakes was asked about Tilly. Yes. Yes. 
And he mentioned something that I had actually somehow forgotten. In season one, we see a green spark Mm -hmm. land on Tilly's shoulder. Mm -hmm. And he's saying that he thinks that Tilly's hallucination of her childhood friend that grown up is something to do with that spark being inside her and doing something. He does very strongly indicate that, yes. I had thought from watching the episode that it was something to do with her pulling a piece out of the asteroid. Um, right. And that was somehow causing her hallucinations. And it hadn't occurred to me that it could have been the the green spark until I read the Frakes interview. And, and I, the other thing that's really interesting about that is, you know, we know that, Again, we talked about this. Cole was coming back. Stamets is seeing him in the mycelial network. If you had to ask me to guess, I'd say that's where he's coming back from. And, you know, we now know that this this character that Tilly is hallucinating is also dead. And that this spark came right after they exited the mycelial network coming back from the uh, mirror universe, if I remember rightly. Um, so there might be a connection there. Yeah. Uh, I also thought... Maybe it had something to do with the Red Angel was like causing that hallucination for Tilly, but we'll see. Maybe they're all connected. They might be. They very well might be. I mean, they definitely are liking to layer on stories and and mysteries. And so, you know, it could be the case that they are all connected. All right, let's move on. So moving on from Discovery, uh, we have an announcement of a new comic book series this week, and it's one that I'm super excited about. Um, so coming from IDW Comics later this spring uh, will be Star Trek Year 5, which will be an original series comic focusing on the fifth year of Kirk's famous five-year mission. The comic book series is being written by a team of writers, Brandon Easton, Jody Hauser, who, if you're a Doctor Who fan, is currently writing the 13th Doctor uh, comic book series for Titan Comics, Jim McCann, and then providing art will be Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. Um, and the other super uh, exciting thing about this is the cover art for issue one is actually done by legendary sci-fi illustrator Greg Hildebrandt, who um, has done a ton of really iconic work over the years. If you don't know his name, you definitely know his work. And apparently, and I was shocked to discover this, this is the first time he's ever done anything Star Trek related, which was which was huge news for me. What do you think about this, Thad? I actually had not no- realized that it was Greg Hildebrandt doing that. That's that's amazing because if you've ever, if you've read any fantasy novel from like the eighties or nineties there's a good chance they had a Hildebrandt cover. And yeah, that's, I, and I'm definitely excited for this comic. Uh, a comic series that I, I, I've enjoyed all of the IDW Star Trek comics. And one series that I really enjoyed was Boldly Go, yep. which was basically picking up the story in the Kelvin universe at the end of Beyond. And they that uh, ended last year. And this series, I think, where it's picking up the story in the Prime universe after the end of TOS I think we'll fill that niche very well. Yeah, we've not had, it's been since Boldly Go uh, ended, we've not had a monthly ongoing series, which is what this seems like it is. Normally when they announce Star Trek IDW comics, it's normally this is a four issue series or a six issue series, but they very purposefully left off how many issues this would run. So I'm hoping this is sort of the new ongoing monthly uh, comic to supplement, you know, the Q conflict, which which starts next week. I'm and very excited for that too. Oh yeah, that one's going to be great, and a couple of the other series uh, that we have coming down the line. So super exciting! I'm a big fan of the IDW comics. If you head over to the Tricorder Transmissions blog, which just uh, relaunched, um, Shashank, the uh, weekly Trek original series host, 
uh, has a couple of reviews up uh, of, of comic books that have come out lately. So if you're interested in those, I highly recommend heading over and checking them out. STLV. Mm-hmm. It's not so long away. It's bad. Now that the holidays is out of the way, we're a straight run to August. Yeah, I need to buy my tickets. Yeah, I just did uh, two days ago because uh, the general admission weekend package is now on sale, which is the package that I have used the last eight years that I've been going. And we also have a couple of new guests, Louise Fletcher, who was uh, Kai Wynn, Stephen Weber, who uh, very famous from the TV show Wings, was also in the season two uh, opening trilogy of Deep Space Nine as uh, Colonel Day. STLV is coming up fast. So Thad, you better make sure you get your ticket. Yeah. Well, I was waiting a week just to make sure there wasn't some 50% off flash sale less than a week after they went on sale. Yes, they did do that with the Stargate convention that's coming up in June. <laughs> yeah. And, and you uh, were not the beneficiary of that sale. No. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of fan events, we've got STLV, but now a popular annual activity is the Star Trek Cruise, which, red alert... If you are planning to go on the Star Trek cruise in 2020, I would highly recommend booking your ticket as quickly as possible. The ship is already more than 80% sold out, um, which it's only been up for sale for a couple of weeks. Um, So most cabins have already been reserved. I highly doubt, unlike in previous years where cabins have been available right up until the week of the cruise, that it will be on sale um, for all that much longer. So if you're considering Star Trek The Cruise, go ahead and make your booking right now. Thad, I think you're going in 2020, right? Yes, and I have bought those tickets. Uh, Good. (laughs) uh, Yeah, and the 80% figure that they gave us was when the tickets went sale to the general public. Oh, okay. So they first opened them to people that were on the cruise Mm -hmm. to rebook. And then when they opened it to the general public the week after the cruise, that's when it was at 80%. I'm sure it's much higher now. Yeah. I was on the website the other day and it looked like there are only three or four categories of tickets left available. Some of the cheapest cabins, the inside cabins, and then some of the more expensive ones that, that had view. And there's there's a far fewer of the cheap ones. I, I went on to check just out of curiosity and there's, because there, when I booked the day they went on sale, there were... You know, it was a huge long list of cabins I could pick. It didn't really matter. They're all in the bowels of the ship. But <laughs> uh, now there's only a, there, there's far fewer than were there before. So even the cheap tickets are going. And it is worth noting that, yes, the so-called cheap tickets are $1,800 if you ha- weren't on the cruise this past year. Uh, but they do have an installment plan, so you don't actually have to pay that much right now. Yes, I was considering it. Uh, I wanted to get through, I'm at a new job, so I don't know what March is like. So I wanted to get through the first week in March. I think I might just have to let this one go for a year and see you on it in 2021. You could always buy the uh, travel insurance so that you're only out the cost of the travel insurance. Uh, Yeah, that's a good point. I might have to think about that. All right. Now that we've got the news out of the way, it's time to turn to the speculation zone and have a little fun. You make some very good points, Captain. But it's still all speculation and theory. All right, so we talked about the facts. Now let's go and let's speculate on what's going to happen in the future of Star Trek. So, as you know from the last couple of weeks of the show, um, I and my guests are going to give you a theory that we're nurturing about the future of the franchise, related to anything that we want to be. 
Um, we'll be wildly speculating, so you know, there's no guarantees any of it comes true. Thad, give me a theory for this week. Well, I don't think the Picard show is the only late 24th century show that we're going to get. Interesting. Tell me more. Because there's so much they can mine for that. Uh, they can, and they know that the fans are going to eat it up. Because uh, they could do another show set in the same general period. There's, we've already, we already have announcement of another show set in the Discovery period, but it doesn't make sense, especially because they'll be building sets, costumes, etc. for Picard. They'll want to be able to use them again and monetize it. And they have a huge pool of actors that they can bring in, existing actors, who some of, some of whom, as much as we love them, have not had particularly stellar careers, so probably aren't going to demand a huge paycheck to come back to Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So I, I do not think it'll just be the Picard show. I think you might be right about that. I've been nurturing this theory. So I'm going to give you two theories this week. Here's my first theory. Since Brian Fuller started Discovery, they've been talking about doing an anthology show. I think that part of the reason why they haven't announced the name of the Picard show, but they did say at one point that the Picard show was meant to be an ongoing series. Yes, they did. But that given, you know, Patrick Stewart is quite old now, I don't think he's going to be doing, you know, more than one season worth of playing Picard. My theory is that they are putting the pieces in place for the Picard show to basically become a 24th century anthology series and that Picard will be the first season and then we will start switching around. And if they revealed the name of the show, that it would give that away. Now, they've since said that the reason they haven't given it away is because they don't know it yet. (laughs) So that theory may be true or not, but I like that theory a lot. And I think you're right. I mean... They've got to go somewhere, right? Eventually, Discovery will come to an end. Eventually, the Picard show itself will come to an end. We need to go somewhere. I think that's a pretty good theory. All right, so my theory this week is Discovery-related, mm-hmm. and it relates to Burnham and Spock. Okay. You no, know, there's some kind of split between the two of them, and I have a theory about what that split is. But before we get into my theory, we have to dispel some Dominion propaganda. Yes, I know the one you're talking about. So there's been a lot of talk online about uh, this idea that the reason why there's been a split between Burnham and Spock is because they had an intimate relationship, which has driven some corners of the fandom community wild with anger about the possibility of that happening. But we've had on two separate occasions in the last two days, first Sonequa Martin-Green yesterday, and I'm going to play you a clip of her comments. There is a theory I want to talk to y'all about mm-hmm. that we saw just recently that um, people are saying that maybe they had a sexual relationship and that's why they're estranged. No! No, you're not Yes! I saw that and I saw a few articles about it and I am here today to say no, no. And then Alex Kurtzman today saying what you just heard Sonequa say, which is that there's no hint of a romantic relationship between Spock and Burnham. So my theory, which was never that they had a romantic relationship, is that the split between them is actually over the parents. We've seen that Burnham has a really close relationship with Amanda and actually with Sarek based upon the Star Trek Discovery season two premiere. And I think there's that the split has something to do with the relationship that Burnham has with Amanda and with Sarek that Spock, it seems did not have until much later in his life. Um, So 
we don't we have no idea where the sort of nature of that split comes i think it might come from that relationship it might also come from you know some of the scenes we saw in lethe the season 1 episode last year um and sarek's decision to they offered a position in the Vulcan expeditionary group for one of his children and and he picked Spock but Spock ultimately ended up going to Starfleet so i think combination of those two together i think that's where we get our and and perhaps some kind of inciting event leads to this dramatic tension how do you feel about that Thad? i think that's a very good theory and it does sort of work with uh and i know the books aren't canon but it does work a bit with uh david max discovery prequel uh desperate hours mm-hmm. because we have burnham and spock meeting there and talking a bit and what you're saying lines up with that pretty well yeah i think i think that's where it's coming but we'll see we got uh, 12 more episodes left in this season to play out. And so there's lots of story to come and we haven't even met Spock yet. Hopefully, maybe next week, the week after, the week after that, we will finally get to see uh, Ethan Peck Spock on screen. I'm betting it'll be pretty soon. I think you're probably right about that. Well, that's all the time we've got for this episode of Weekly Trek. Thank you so much, Thad, for joining me today. Uh, how can people contact you if they want to continue the conversation? Uh, the best way is on Twitter. I am... My personal account is at Tyrannicus. That's T-Y-R-A-N-I-C-U-S. And if you want to listen to me talk about Voyager, uh, you can check us out at Delta Flyer. It's available in all your standard podcast places. And you can follow that show on Twitter at Delta Flyer Pod. And I will give another plug for Delta Flyer. I'm a big fan of the work uh, that you and Stuart do every week. I enjoy, it's nice to be able to sort of catch up with the episodes um, and hear you guys talk about it. Well, thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, you can find this show on Twitter at Weekly Trek and me personally on Twitter at Alexander T. Perry. If you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on your podcast player of choice. And please check out some of the other great shows on the Tricorder Transmissions. If you like our shows, please also consider becoming a Patreon of Tricorder, which you can find at patreon.com slash the Tricorder Transmissions. And as always, if you're looking for Star Trek news on the internet, I hope you'll consider turning to trekcore.com. But until next week, thank you again, Thad. Thank you to all my listeners and live long and prosper.